Welcome back to episode number 210 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is a podcast for building a global community around process safety, industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host. In today's episode, we're discussing an incident update for a 2021 coal dust explosion in Baltimore, Maryland. So these incident updates are shorter episodes that are based on our enhanced research work that we're doing with our incident database. This drives with our Road to Zero mission to see one year with zero fatalities worldwide from combustible dust explosions by 2038, at least one year. And part of that is running our incident database. And since we started that well over five years ago now, we've tracked over a thousand fires and explosions around the world involving combustible dust in that database. One of the key elements that we've identified over the last six months with the incident database is to try and do enhanced research. where We take the basic information that we've developed in the incident database from the local news reporting, what's available on the ground right away, and over time, keep track of the more severe incidents and see if we can find any additional information to improve that description of the incident, what happened, what happened to the people that are involved and impacted the communities, if any more technical information and lessons learned can be generated as well. We try to capture all that in these enhanced incident research that we do. We put these on the website with that entry in the incident database. We do release these out through other avenues as well. And occasionally we come back and are able to update these on the podcast like we're doing today with this coal dust explosion. So we've done these incident updates a few times already. Back in episode 191 of the podcast, we covered a 2021 seed preparation facility explosion in Silverton, Oregon. In this case, we were able to get through Freedom of Information Act request, the local fire department report on that fatal dust explosion incident, and provide additional information for that incident in that podcast update. In episode 192, we were able to do the same thing for a flower dust explosion in Savannah, Georgia. And again, we were able to find the local fire department report, request that information, and provide more context and technical input to what happened that day to the audience here. And in episode 193, we did the same thing for a potato starch explosion to us, Singapore. And this was a report released by the government of Singapore, which actually concluded that the bulk of the destruction and loss of life from that large explosion was due to an oil mist, a liquid-fueled explosion, not the potato starch deflagrations that subsequently occurred. So that's the kind of information that we're capturing here. And you can get that information at the previous podcast episodes. If you go to dustsafetyscience.com and type in slash in the episode number 191, 192, or 193, you'll get those podcast episodes. We'll have links to the instance entries in our database and hopefully links back to the enhanced research that we were able to capture. If it is public information, we'll be able to share that as well. So last note here is that we do come back and try to release these on the podcast over time. But if you want to get them as soon as they're available, then you can join our newsletter. If you go to dustsafetyscience.com, you can join the newsletter there. We are generally sending this out with our incident updates every week on Sunday. We've been doing it now for five years. And we also release these in the Dust Safety Journal, which you can sign up for at dustsafetyjournal.com. Usually a number of months, maybe even up to 12 months later, you'll get them on the podcast, just depending on the production schedule here for the podcast. One last note, and I do want to be very aware here that we're talking about explosion incidents that very routinely cause injuries, loss of life, large impacts to the community. And our job here is to try to report this information out and add value to the community, generate these lessons learned, try to understand the context and the technical background. And I'm very aware that in many cases, We'll be talking about topics and even events and incidents that have very large impact on people's lives. And in that case, we've talked about this with our Westray product that we have going over the last number of months. 
uh, ripple effects of Westray and other episodes of the podcast where it's really important not to downplay the human element of what we're talking about here today with these type of incidents. So today we are covering this coldest explosion in Baltimore, Maryland. This is a explosion that occurred on December 30th, 2021. This site was run by a railroad company that operated both in, in the United States and Canada. It appears from kind of the Google Maps that they were shipping from the railroad to, say, boats on that uh, sort of a marina offshore shipping area there. It's unclear if any processing of the coal was actually being completed on site. There's not a lot of information about this facility in the, the previous news coverage that was reported. It was reported that there's an explosion shortly after 11.30 a.m., or as coal was being removed on conveyor. It was reported this explosion blew out the windows of nearby buildings, but fortunately there were no injuries from this explosion incident. So a number of months ago, our team that's running the incident database was able to make a request through, actually this wasn't a request we sent in. Now that I think about it, this was actually information that was made publicly available through Maryland Occupational Safety and Health. And this was the citation and notification of penalty that was sent to the company after its ocean inspection after this incident. So this letter was summarizing the citations and violations associated with the OSHA inspection on or around January 4th to January 11th, 2022. So after this explosion occurred on December 30th, 2021. This is something that OSHA publishes under the Electronic Freedom of Information Act in the United States. It's important to note that this is likely still open and can be, and in all likelihood, is being contested. Uh, and we're just reporting what's in this document here. It's publicly available. You can go look at it yourself. We're not using company names and that sort of stuff in this podcast episode itself. But you can go look at that information. The only note I want to say is that what's covered here on this reporting of that information can be contested and is likely not closed if you're listening to this as it comes out. Uh, maybe close some point in the future and OSHA will post with the citations what happened with those con contests against the, the OSHA citations and violations. Again, thankfully, nobody was injured here, but the investigation of the incident resulted in substantial fines. There's also a lot of really great information that is available that goes above and beyond what we had in our incident summary overall, which wasn't a lot of information. Another note here is that this gives you the, an idea of the kind of things that OSHA would be looking for on inspections before an incident, but also after an explosion or a fire incident happens at your site. So what information was retrieved from the OSHA citation report? And you can get this report. We'll have a link to it in the show notes for this episode at dustsafetyscience.com slash 210. In the citation report, they noted nine serious penalties covering seven items, and it totaled $121,200 in penalties. And again, these are initial penalties that are levied and can still be contested, reduced, dropped over time, depending on the OSHA investigation um, and discussions with the company. Sometimes they do publish a narrative along with these citations, explaining sort of a timeline of what happened, maybe some of the technology failures that could occurred. But in this case, in this specific citation report, there was no narrative that was published. So instead, we just have the text that's included in each of the individual citations and group together if they were based on similar hazards or concerns. So we're kind of putting the puzzle pieces together here in this podcast episode today. It is really helpful sometimes when you have a narrative that's published along with these because they put the pieces together for you. In this case, we just don't have that. So we're just going to report them as the citations 
were prepared or illustrated in the report. And we'll talk a bit about the end of what, what might have happened and what kind of information we don't know yet today about this. Um, so I'm just going to go through sort of item one, item two, item three that are found in this citation report. Again, these were based on inspections that occurred on or around January 4th to January 11th, which were a number of days after the December 30th explosion incident that occurred. So item number one is the use of respirators and emergency protective equipment during repair activities in what they call Northwest Escape Tunnel. And these items had penalties associated with them of about $23,000. The first citation was against respiratory protection. This is 1910.134, which would be in Title 29 of the Code of Regulations, and this is a labor title. This is one of the 50 titles, I guess you call them, that make up the U.S. Code of Federal Regulations. This is the one covering labor. So if we go in there into 1910.134, that's the respiratory protection section. And the citation against this, or the, the penalty against this, states that employees entered tunnels to perform work activities, including but not limited to unclogging blocked hatchway feeders and resetting conveyor trip lines where there was a potential exposure to coal dust and respirators were not used on or about December 30th, 2021. In this item, there's also another citation that's against 1917 subpart E, which is personal protection in marine terminals. And it states that employees that entered the North Tunnel, where there was a potential for a hazardous atmosphere from coal dust or methane gas, were not required to wear respiratory protection on or about that same date, December 30th, 2021. So that's this first grouping of citations from this OSHA citation report. The use of respirators and emergency protective equipment during repair activities in the North Tunnel and the Northwest Escape Tunnel. And again, it states that this was during work that was included but not limited to unclogging blocked hatchway feeders and resetting of air trip lines where there's exposure for coal dust and the second one where there's potential exposure to methane gas. Item number two, which resulted in uh, citations and penalties of $14,500, was for not having a written respiratory protection program. Uh, this is against 1910.134 again, which is the respiratory protection section. It states that employees entered the North Tunnel to unclog blocked coal hatchway feeder and were not wearing respiratory protection where there could be overexposure to coal dust and the employer had not developed a written respiratory protection program. So that's item number two. Item number three, again, for $14,500 in penalties, was documentation designing or designating rather hazardous and class, classified locations. This is against 1910.307, the hazardous or classified areas location section of the uh, regulation in this case. It states here that in the North Tunnel and Northwest Escape Tunnel, the employer did not provide any documentation designating the areas within the coal terminal with a designated hazardous classified location. I mean, this, I guess, could be in conjunction with both coal dust and or methane gas, although it does not state that in the citation penalty. Item number four, and this sort of in conjunction with the hazardous location, but has penalties associated with it of $29,000, is equipment used in hazardous locations states that equipment used in hazardous locations were not approved for ignitable or combustible properties of the specific gas, vapor, dust, or fiber that was or could have been present. In the Northwest Escape Tunnel, electro equipment 
could have included an electrical control panel that was not approved for class two division one locations where coal transfer process operation was being performed. In the same tunnel, electrical equipment, including control panel, overhead lighting, and an outlet and transformer were potentially installed that were not explosion proof. So this goes, uh, again, combined with the hazardous location, lack of having designated hazardous area locations, hazardous classified locations. The equipment used in those areas were not then rated or proved for use in the potential hazardous locations that could have been there if there was a, a document designating the hazardous areas at that site, if that makes sense. So I'm going to go through items number five, six, and seven here combined. Five is testing to identify potential hazardous area. In this case, they say the employer did not ensure that properly equipped designated person tested the atmosphere in rooms, buildings, vehicles, rail cars, or other spaces that contained or may have contained hazardous atmosphere prior to employee entry. That air testing was not performed by a designated person prior to employees entering the North Tunnel to remove blockages in the coal hatchway feeder. There's also a penalty for not providing carbon monoxide testing in the North Tunnel or the Northwest Escape Tunnel during the process of resetting the conveyor trip lines. There's a penalty against training of supervisors. States that supervisors of cargo handling operations, more than five people, did not satisfactorily complete an accident prevention course. And then there are also two what are called other than serious citations. I'll let you go look at citation notes yourself for the in-depth assessment of these, if you will. One of these statements does say the employees working near the transfer tower to unclog the blocked hatchway exposed to coal dust and methane gas, which are the conditions for explosion hazard. However, the employer failed to develop a site-specific emergency action plan that would include procedures to be followed by employees responsible for the plan operations under these conditions. So that is the information that's available in this OSHA citation report for this December 30th, 2021 coal dust explosion in Baltimore, Maryland. As you can see, without the narrative, you're sort of putting these pieces together. Fortunately, nobody's injured. We're still not really clear on what happened for this um, particular incident, what the sequence of operations was, what potential ignition sources were. It does seem that the interest of OSHA's investigation itself was directed at activities undertaken in the North Tunnel and West Escape Tunnel on December 30th, 2021. This was the day the explosion was reported in local news. Or they do not say in the citation report that these activities led to an explosion. They suggest it was, it was work activities, including and not limited to unclogging a blocked hatchway or feeder and resetting a coal conveyor trip lines. They do have violations noted around not wearing respirators and other protective equipment, not having a written respiratory protection program or written hazardous area classification program for that part of the facility, if you will. And for equipment in the tunnel not being rated for these types of potential hazardous areas, lack of testing, including CO and other gases in these type of sites. So we're still not 100% sure that this even is a dust explosion. A gas explosion could be CO or methane or even a hybrid mixture explosion. What we do have in terms of what was available from local news is one resident reporting seeing three black plumes of smoke after a series of explosions. It's possible these black plumes of smoke would indicate cold dust explosion. You see very, very thick black plumes of, of smoke. And there's a video that was posted on Twitter, may still be available today, 
reporting showed the explosion from a far distance away. And the Baltimore firefighters, in response to this video on Twitter, stated that they have a five-story coal silo that suffered an apparent explosion, and that shockwaves could be felt citywide. Hazmat and special rescue units and fire board are on the scene. Stay away from the area. So at least in the immediate vicinity, in terms of time of the explosion, the local firefighters were focused on this five-story coal silo that they reported to have suffered an explosion. So all these together may indicate that coal dust was involved, but is not specifically stated in the OSHA investigation. So we're still not really sure about the exact sequence of events or the ignition source. We don't know if additional explosion you know, started in one of these tunnels and propagated into the silo, how far away that silo is, what other type of equipment might be in the middle. So there's lots of information that we don't know, but we have found out quite a bit more. I mean, from what we started with was basically just a coal dust explosion reported at rail to shipping terminal at 11.30 on December 30th, 2021. We can see now at least that OSHA had their investigation specifically focused in this area of the tunnel system, trying to unblock and unclog a, a tripped conveyor for coal, that there were potential ignition sources in the vicinity of that work that was being performed. And then the response of first responders stating that there was an explosion at the coal dust silo. That was a five-story silo. And we don't have what's sort of in the middle of, you know, what the ignition source was, how that propagated through space, and other information like that. So that is it for this incident update. If we do get more information, we'll do another incident update. But for the time being, um, we will leave the incident database entry as we have it today. You can find that entry if you go to dustsafetyscience.com slash 210, 210 in this case. You'll get the show notes for this episode and we'll have links to all the things we discussed about. So we talked about what do we know about this incident beforehand? What kind of questions were there after the immediate response? What kind of information we retrieved or received from this OSHA inspection report? And what's still outstanding on this type of incident? I do admit that this is not, you know, high fidelity information that is now allowing us to know exactly what happened and prevent this type of incident in the future, but it is a step in the right direction. And as we improve our ability to report each of these incidents in more detail, then we're really creating this database that can be used both for awareness activities. If you happen to be working with a train to shipping coal transport facility or a coal transport terminal, then this is some information that's probably really valuable to pass along or keep in mind while you're doing that work. And then we are also building up this database then if we start to see other incidents at other coal terminals around the world, then hopefully can somebody come in and start to analyze this data and at least have more information that be available than local news reports. So that's it for this episode today. We'll come back on the podcast next week for another incident update. In this case, this will be an incident in Taiwan at uh, Fusin Chu, a township there at a bicycle parts manufacturer. So if you're interested in that incident and you're listening to this in the future, you just press forward to the next podcast episode. Otherwise, look forward to seeing you back here on the podcast next week once that gets released. As always, I want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Hope you have a safe and productive week ahead. I appreciate everything you're doing in industries handling combustible dust, making them safer with the work that you're doing every day. 